0: From exploring the rich culture and history, to discussing the challenges and joys of immigrating to a new country, this podcast offers a thoughtful and engaging look at life in the Western Balkans.
1: This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. Everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Adventures podcast with me David Bailey and in this episode we're finding out about a lady who's walked 4,000 kilometers over seven months from the canals of Amsterdam to the city of Sarajevo. I managed to catch up with this lady via Skype as she took a break in a coffee bar in Split, Croatia. So without further ado... Let's crack on. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. I'm David Bailey, sat in a village in northwest Bosnia. At the moment, in Split, down in uh, Dalmatia, where all the haiduk, where all the bandits hang out, is a young lady from Holland, uh, from the Netherlands, rather. I can't say Holland because maybe she comes from somewhere else in the Netherlands. But she's from the Netherlands and uh, her name is Eva. And I'm going to try and pronounce this. It's Eva Smela, right?
1: Yes, you did it right. Yes, Eva Smilen. Ava,
0: you've spent the last months and months and months, getting all the way from Amsterdam, on the coast of the North Sea, all the way in the first first point to to Sarajevo, and you walked the whole distance. So the first question begs: Why did you plan to walk this amazing amount of kilometres from Amsterdam? To
1: Sarajevo. Uh, yeah, a good question. <laughs> I kind of asked that myself as well, especially now while I already done it. But, um, well, <laughs> I had my bike in Sarajevo, so um, I had to pick up my bike. I could of course take train or fly, but I thought it would be nice to walk. And it started already like a year or two ago. I started walking from Amsterdam, from my hometown. That was actually a great feeling to close the door and then you are on an adventure. And that was really funny because I was walking through my own city. I knew every street, but I was on adventure, you know? You have a rough plan, you have a route you wanna hike, but you never know know, where you will sleep that night. And you never know what exactly you can expect or who you will meet or, well, you don't know the details so what i did was following the pilgrims route in the netherlands all the way through the south Um, but i didn't stay on campsites or slept in bed and breakfast and stuff like that i just walked and walked until i had enough and then i looked for a place where i could camp Um, Only in the Netherlands it's not allowed to do wild camping, so I had to knock on doors and ask can I put up my tent in your garden, can I, um, well maybe put it in in some um, field of grass, like grass field, and that actually um, brought me this uh, whole new, um, how do you say that, view of the Netherlands. You know, we always say that in the Netherlands people are not so warm and that the hospitality is not so big and that it's like everyone for itself and that is actually what we compare with you know, the further east you travel the more (laughs) warm it is and people are more open and you feel more welcome and then because I did it the other way around, I brought this way of traveling, well to my own country I discovered that You know, you can have exactly the same experience. So that was really amazing to rediscover my own country. And um, yeah, so I continued from the Netherlands through Belgium, Luxembourg, uh, Germany, a little bit of France, and um, then through Austria and a little bit of Switzerland also. That was where I entered the Alps and all the. Oh, there's a dog. And all the time, I kind of connected different long distance trails and I put all the information, all the tracks on my GPS. Um, so I kind of had a rough route, but you know, I could decide every day where exactly I could go. So it was nothing strict, nothing really planned. And when I really liked the place, I stayed a little bit longer. Also, because in the meantime, I was writing for my blog. Most stories are in Dutch, but now I'm working on the English ones. Um, so I really, really took the time. And that is also what I did when I was hiking the Vidinarika. I was really taking the time. So when someone invites you to, you know, come over to have a coffee or someone says, oh, you can stay here for the day, I could call it a day when it was only one in the afternoon. So with this same, this same way, I traveled through Europe. And I think it was not even the why I did it in the first place but I kind of found out along the way that maybe that was the reason why I hiked from Amsterdam to Sarajevo I wanted to go back to the Balkans but first I wanted to you know um explore where I came from something like that
0: You're a lady and you were doing this all on your own Did you not feel scared did you not feel worried was there not did you not have anxiety every day walking these thousands of kilometers just on your own?
1: Um, Well, it's funny that people always ask, were you not afraid? Uh, Like, they think I was not, something like that, but of course I am. I have many, many fears and actually I think that is what it's all about. But it's easier, you know, there are always more reasons to not go there are always more voices in you telling you why you cannot do something Um, but I always try to listen to that one reason that actually you know makes you feel and makes you want to move or do something and I think that's really important so I do have fears all the time and um, I mean I have been really afraid there are Well, later, there were some animals you have to really, you know, you don't have to be afraid, but you have to know what to do. I mean, it's actually no problem when you're camping in the middle of the forest and there are bears. But, you know, it might be a wise thing to, I don't know, put your food a little bit away or, you know, there are things you have to know. But you don't have to be, it's like not an uh, immediate danger, but you feel the fear. But you also know that this fear is not completely realistic. And so, yeah, (laughs) I'm afraid all the time, but it's actually this whole process of dealing with that and learning that in the end makes you feel so much more confident. And I think that's also by doing it on your own because you're facing everything and you have these struggles, but because you make every decision on your own and you You kind of have to learn that you can trust yourself. And even if you make a wrong decision, that still you can trust yourself, that you can get yourself out of it. Or if you really need help, that you're able to get help.
0: When did you actually think that you had started the Balkan leg of your walk? Was it when you got into Slovenia or was it when you got into Croatia?
1: Actually, it was in Slovenia, but not... um, So I entered Slovenia from... Um, yeah, there was this this um, three country point from Austria, Italy and Slovenia and then you enter Slovenia I was hiking via Alpina there but then it's the Julian Alps so that's Slovenia and that's really Western Europe. Okay, language changed and there are like a few things different, but basically it's it feels like Western Europe. And so for me, like this Balkan thing started when I arrived from the Via Alpina uh, on the Via Dinarica again. This is at Prajama. There's this castle in the rock, and that's where the Via Dinatica White Trail starts and where I ended last year. And that's, um, that was for me really the point where it felt like, okay, now I'm back. I don't know exactly how the Balkan borders go, but that's actually a a less familiar region of Slovenia. So most people, I think, go to Bled and Bohin and uh, Triglav, but there is this whole part of Slovenia, which is, for me, it feels completely different and you can hardly compare it to the Julian Alps. So, yeah, that's where for me... It started to feel Balkan.
0: I've read on uh, the internet a little bit about the Via uh, Dinarica, Dinarica, and it, it seems that it's very, very remote. Where you walk is just almost completely in in the wilderness. You're going along you know, different types of countryside from mountain escarpments through stunning valleys. But in, in basic terms, not many people live there. So how, how do you negotiate a route? Is it marked or did you use your GPS? Or or how did you manage to find your way through this wonderful um, Balkan landscape?
1: Well, first of all, well you have the Via Dinarica, and there are different trails. So the white trail that goes high up in the mountains, that's what I hiked last summer. And indeed, they're very remote areas. So what I think is important that you bring a GPS, because although, you know, it is partly marked, the trail is not officially open yet. Only in Bosnia and Herzegovina it's officially open, the Via Dynatica White Trail. But all the other countries, it's it's um, more an idea. So they're using uh, old existing trails like the Gora, Transvasala and other trails in countries and they are marked but they're not like not always very well maintained so definitely gps is very important with good maps and where you have the actual track on it it's um, good to have some additional maps uh, for sure Um, and yeah along the way try to find information and also for other people who hiked it they left comments and this is all on the website they have a platform it's called outdoor active and that's actually where they collect all the information so from water sources to I don't know bars restaurants uh, um, but also hikers leave comments about the condition of the trail so that's really really important that um when you start this this hike that you realize what you get yourself into
0: your english is absolutely first class so like most people from the netherlands um you're you're truly bilingual um the question begs walking through the balkans even if we call the language the former serbo croatian um there are dialect differences it's a very complicated language so how did you cope with communication on, on on the on the Balkan leg of your walk.
1: Oh yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> oh, I really, I thought, huh, oh, when I start hiking in Amsterdam, I have enough time to learn the language when I <laughs> enter uh, Croatia. But uh, yeah, of course, I didn't. I I started to learn some words and stuff like that. But yeah, well, you think you have months and months, it doesn't work like that. Uh, when you're hiking you're busy all day and um yeah i didn't didn't quite manage to learn the language but you pick up words and i always ask what you know what words mean and i have um google translate app but yeah most of the time, it can be pretty um, tricky, so <laughs> I definitely should learn the language.
0: You, you said when you were walking, to start off with, when you, when you left the Netherlands, that uh, you, know, you were wild camping, you had your tent. Now, down the, down the Balkan leg of the Via Dinarica there's no hostels, as far as I know, definitely no hotels. So, was it wild camping with the bears, or did you manage to get some shelter with local families?
1: Oh, well, it's really, really easy to get shelter with local families. Yeah, that actually you don't even have to ask for it. Especially when you're a woman hiking alone, you'll be noticed. And then everybody, you know, offers you something to drink, some, something to eat. And then even when it's only two in the afternoon, they want you to stay for the rest of the day and, well, actually the rest of the week. So it's, it's very easy to get a shelter. But it's not not really uh, necessary, I mean, it is safe to camp and as long as you know where you can find water and, um, you know, you are aware of the weather. Um, wind can be really problematic in some parts, especially near the coast. In Croatia, there's this um, part of the Via Dinarica that goes on Velabit. Um, and there you have the Bura, which can be really strong. Although, actually, on this part of the trail, um, Velabitski, Planinarski, put, there are many, many shelters. And I expected to be very, very remote and, indeed, not finding anything. But it turned out that there is... Yeah, at least every three days, a place where you can have a warm meal or, um, yeah, where you can even uh, uh, find a guest house. And, and actually, there were hotels. So, yeah. But now I'm actually talking about the Via Dynatica White Trail. This year, I um, did the Via Dynatica Green Trail, and that one goes a little bit more north of the White Trail. So it goes more through the valleys and it's uh, more to the lower part. So you will come across many, many, many villages. And uh, this is uh, not a touristy uh, region. So, no, there may be no hotels, but there are many facilities and indeed families who, yeah, often offer you a place to stay.
0: The food. Everybody offers food here in the Balkans and sometimes... It's it 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 can become a, quite a painful experience when you're eating after eating after eating. Eva, the food in the Balkans is different from that in the Netherlands. What what's the favorite food that you like to eat when you're in this area?
1: Well, I, I really really love the um, the soups. <laughs> um, what is it called? Jota in uh, in Slovenia. It's these this really heavy kind of soups which you get served in the mountains and they're full of vegetables and um, they make it in large, large portions. So I, I you can always make me happy with. With that. How
0: do you cope with all the meat? Are you, are you a vegetarian, for example? Because I know a lot of young ladies co- that come down from northern Europe say, well, I'm vegetarian and the Balkans is a meat uh, is a meat eaters paradise, isn't it?
1: It is, it is. I, I have to confess, I was a vegetarian until my first traveling to Eastern Europe and Balkans. And it was actually in Croatia where I first had meat <laughs> because I stayed at, well at a place, a family invited me and um, they prepared this huge breakfast and then there was a lot of meat and oh, I just couldn't say oh I'm sorry I'm a vegetarian you know I felt so rude and I, I, I really wanted to try that food because I think food is a big part of uh, traveling and getting to know a culture and well you see but you also taste so I don't know exactly, but I think it was in 2012 13 I'm not sure 11. Um, when I started to eat meat. But yeah, I only eat meat when I'm traveling and I never buy it myself. So I think that's a good way to cope with um, actually the reason why I, I am or was vegetarian and, you know, combine that with traveling in the Balkans.
0: When you're going down the route, you, you've you been blogging, You you're using your GPS. I mean, when I first stumbled across you uh, on the internet, you'd already posted over 150, I think, images, beautiful images of your trip, documenting your trip. Talk us through how, how much technology do you carry with you? And how do you keep the batteries charged so that you can do things like post Pictures, post Instagram updates, blog, write your posts. How do you do that? Because it, it must take a lot of weight on your back to carry all this equipment, surely.
1: Yeah, that it really is, actually. So um, I always bring a solar charger solar charger and I got one uh, I borrowed one from a friend unfortunately it uh, it broke it fell so that's not working anymore but also there's not much sun anymore but so yeah I had a solar charger which was already pretty heavy and I carry extra power banks and first I had one and then halfway I bought another one because my solar charger was broken and it is a lot of weight and the thing is that it is not necessary you can find everything super super lightweight but my problem is always um this budget issue if you want to you can spend loads and loads of money on super cool stuff but i don't have that money so i actually choose to carry a little bit more and then being able to blog uh, and share uh, rather than, you know, go back to Amsterdam, work my ass off, and then save enough money to buy all the equipment. So it can be much, you can do it much more efficient, but I choose to, you know, be heavy and maybe a little bit slower, but able to share it my way so beside the solar charger there are always places where you can charge like now i'm sitting at, um, at, at the bar and my uh my power bank is inside and i'm having it charged so that's that's what you do you search for electricity and wi-fi
0: what equipment have you actually documented the journey with is it is it just mobile phones or cameras or what equipment have you been using
1: i'm only using my phone and that's also uh, more or less a budget thing i mean i would love to have more cool equipment like a GoPro or a camera. But I'm only only using my phone, so I made a few videos and photos and yeah, I type everything, I touch screen everything on my phone.
0: What's it like to create a blog post about something as adventurous as this and a normal blog post? And by that, I mean, you know, things that you most probably do every day. But when you're sat on this green route or the white route looking out over a sunset, what is the experience like for you to try and document that? Because there must be a lot of emotion, surely.
1: What is the experience? Um, Yeah, I'm not sure if I write normal blog posts at all because I always write... When I'm traveling, uh, so I don't know what the difference is, but what I try to do is, um, well, share my experience, of course, but also give a little look behind the scenes. So. Yeah, sometimes I post, like, a beautiful, beautiful photo and people will say, oh, I wish I could be there. But then, actually, how I really feel is not that beautiful or, you know, the way to get there was not that shiny. The experience of me blogging is, of course, to inspire others and to show, uh, you know, how beautiful it is up here and what the possibilities are here for outdoor and everything because many people don't know about the Balkans first especially Bosnia and Herzegovina, what people say, oh, but uh, wasn't there a war? Isn't it dangerous? You know, people have this, yeah, they, they really don't know. So that was in the first place the reason to blog. But, yeah, there's much more behind it for me. It's um, also show another approach of blogging. So not only sharing, like, the shiny Instagramable moments, but like showing everything and i hope in the end that that would also inspire people because then i hopefully will not be this only this super cool adventurous or i don't know tough girl who goes outside and travels on her own but uh, i'm just just as normal as others but the only difference is that i'm doing it and i want to show what it's like to do it
0: when you when you've got up to one of these. I don't. You're making one of these wonderful posts and you said that you you feel it hasn't been the easiest climb or the easiest route to get there or you're not feeling um, your best. I mean, you're travelling on your own. How do you cope with these moments of... I don't know, melancholy, I won't say depression, but you know, when you're you're not fit, when when you're not fit, how do you cope with slightly depressing days? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Have you found a trick of how to get over it?
1: Yeah, I think I did, actually, because I I think the trick is loving those moments just as much as the others. It sounds maybe stupid, but uh, I can kind of enjoy when I uh, feel sad. And that's actually what melancholy is about for me. It's just uh, another feeling like happiness or joy. Um, Can sadness be? And I don't think sadness should be something bad. It's just part of the deal. And how I cope is actually acknowledge that it's there, that feeling that you're maybe not so happy and jumpy. um, But don't make more of it than, you know, it's just a feeling and it will pass. And by accepting it and acknowledging it that, you know, you feel like that, so you don't have to pretend that it's different. You don't have to think that it would be better if you felt different. No, that's how it is right now. And that's the beauty of it. And also, because of those those hard moments and, 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 and difficult times, I do feel stronger and I do enjoy more. Because when I then, you know, suddenly do enjoy... I can can already uh, be happy because I feel joy again. <laughs> it it sounds maybe a little bit stupid, but um, yeah. So basically, I I kind of love also the difficult times.
0: We've been talking about that, you know, the, the difficult and happy times. So I'm going to put you on the spot with two questions. First one is the most scariest moment of the trip.
1: Ah. Oh, uh... Uh, most scariest moment of the trip, oh damn. Uh, oh well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I had two different types of scary moments, but one was uh, most, most definitely when the weather got really, really bad. Um, yeah, then I got really scared, I was camping. Uh, in the Dolomites, in I think it was uh, Italy. Yeah, it was Italy. And I knew that there was a storm coming, but that was already, you know, pronounced for days and days. So I was kind of waiting. And then, yeah, it didn't really happen. But then, yeah, I put up my tent and I knew, huh, this is going to be the night. Um, that night, yeah, I think I never experienced a storm that bad. It was really, really disco party all around this was lightnings non-stop and the thunder it was so loud i felt everything shaking um yeah and i was lying in my tent like thinking okay what is the moment that you know i run when do you run i mean when i start running i'm also exposed so i really didn't know what to do well i did know i had some options but um yeah i was just too afraid to actually move. And in the end, it was the water level that went up in the river next to me. And so when I noticed that my tent started to float, I just picked up my stuff and I started to run and it was a Makadam road. Uh, And surprisingly enough, I found a cave, a pretty big cave, which in the end didn't turn out to be the wisest thing to do, hiding in a cave while there's thunder. But I did, and I felt safe at that moment. Um, but, yeah, that was a, a really terrible night. And actually, the next day, I found out that on the other side of the mountain, so on the other side of where I was camping, uh, one of these big rock towers you have in the Dolomites, um completely fell down. So luckily, it didn't fall my side, but it fell the, uh, yeah, to the other side of the mountain, and it blocked a road for over a kilometer. It was really such a, such a huge rockfall. I've never seen something like that. So, yeah, that was really scary. And the second question,
0: where did you have the most happiest, wonderful, exhilarating feeling Positive feeling on the
1: trip? <laughs> oh, I really suck at those answering questions like this. Uh, I already forgot. I think there are so many of those moments. Let me put it like this. I mean, it was not, not not like this, this that I can say it's one moment, but the moment that I reached the mountains. Maybe it's because I'm from the Netherlands, the flat country, that you know, reaching the mountains, walking to the Alps, that, that feels really, really amazing. Maybe even, you know, I felt more almost like I, I reached something than when I actually arrived in Sarajevo. Yeah, saw so first mountains and, and, and walked in the mountains. That was really, really a good feeling.
0: When you walked into Sarajevo, the end of, of the route that you'd planned, you must have been physically, mentally and emotionally Exhausted.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I I was I was really really tired, but I think not physically necessarily, because I mean it doesn't make any difference. I could have walked for seven more months. I physically, you only get stronger, but the um, the last uh, weeks in Bosnia and Herzegovina has uh, have been um, a little bit tough the days were getting shorter it was uh, getting cold so there are a few things um, which were just not so easy plus I'm spending a lot of time with other people the last few weeks because you're invited everywhere and Uh, Which is an amazing experience, but I kind of felt exhausted at the end because I just had no space. I could not think. I just, you know, uh, really gave everything. And um, I felt exhausted because I needed time. I needed to isolate myself and uh, not think, not plan, not worry, nothing. Yeah. So in that way, I felt exhausted. And I was really, really happy to have my own room and shower and kitchen (laughs) and yeah that was great
0: you're now reunited with the bicycle right and i know that you've left sarajevo now and you're in split on, on on the way back how has it been cycling rather than walking for you? Is has it, has it been a wonder? Has it been so cool just to cycle instead of walk?
1: Actually, you have to know that I always... Well, I actually started with cycling. Those were my first adventures. Um, so that was... did uh, this, this feels more natural, actually, being on the bike. Um, but then uh, for a few years, I decided to walk because I needed this slowness. Um, but after walking 4,000 kilometers, I thought, "Ha, huh, it would be nice to be rolling again. So, yes, it feels absolutely amazing to roll. At the same time, it's such a physical challenge. I, I, I forgot about that, that on the bicycle, you cannot just stop whenever you want. Um, sometimes you have to you know, keep on pushing because if you stop, you cannot get up again. So um, I kind of find out that for me at this moment it's much more of a physical challenge than the hiking (laughs) but i think i kind of um, like it to you know this this change from from mental challenge walking because you are so slow you're really not mobile by being able to you know on the bike you're able to do just another 15 kilometers while on foot that's not an option when when it's the end of the day um so now it's uh, it's it's really cool to have this change of challenge yes how long will
0: it take you now to get back home to the canals of Amsterdam?
1: well i'm not going back home actually i decided this week to i do have um, a house in amsterdam which uh, a friend of mine rents now um, but because it's social housing, it's not my house. I'm not allowed to rent it any longer. So I had to make the decision, like going back and live there for the next five years, um, or get rid of the house. So last week I decided to get rid of the house. So what I'm 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 going back to the kennels of Amsterdam, uh, but only to be a uh, to to like get rid of my stuff to pack everything and to go back here. Are
0: you coming back to the Balkans?
1: Yes, that's actually what I'm doing. So now I'm biking more or less to Zagreb because I left some hiking stuff there last summer. Uh, That's a long story. Um, But I got my stuff spread all over Europe. Um, So now I'm biking back to Zagreb to pick up some stuff and then I probably catch a bus to Amsterdam and then in 2 weeks i have to get rid of all my stuff in my apartment and uh, then i'm free to go wherever i want
0: where in your mind is that place wherever you want
1: uh well and and this is actually funny because now it it sort of you know makes the whole story like a circle i want to spend more time in this region in the dinaric alps in the dinarides in these mountains but I'm not necessarily planning to live here, so that everywhere is literally everywhere. I'll be trekking around slow traveling maybe every now and then staying at a place if i can find a cheap place or you know often people i meet offer me like oh you can stay in my summer summer house for a few weeks so that's actually what i'm gonna do i'm gonna travel around hiking biking and uh exploring
0: but you're still going to document your life right you're still going to share all the all these experiences with us
1: yeah that that's what i'm planning and and there are many many more plans but um things are not so sure yet but definitely for now uh the only decision i made is that you know i'll be here for a while and um because i hiked all the way from amsterdam to here i really um and now it feels like uh it's it's not this you know, uh, spur-of-the-moment things that you think, oh, um, I'll just give up everything and um, I'll see. No, it really feels like, yeah, I still, even after such a long time, I still feel this strange, strange urge to be here, to see and to feel experience. And I still like those mountains and, (laughs) and people and food and everything. So... Yeah, after this 4,000 kilometer journey, I kind of, you know, am ready to let go of my house and uh, start a new. Uh, chapter
0: Ava where can we where can we follow you what website do you have where are you
1: on Instagram let us know so that we can all follow you Oh well, I choose the name Ava Dinarica Project www.avadinadicaproject.com and um, mostly on Instagram I post photos and on Facebook Um, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it that often. And I'm working on my YouTube channel, but um, I also have to work on my vlog skills. So uh, I am found everywhere, but mostly on my website and Instagram, I would say.
0: Thank you for giving us your time at the coffee bar in Split today. You have to promise one thing that when you've got everything sorted out, please drop by the Banyaluka region uh, because I think it'd be really cool to share some stories um, offline, if you like.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Well, you know, if I leave my bike in Zagreb this time, <laughs> probably I'll be biking from Zagreb to Sarajevo via Banyaluka and then I'll stop by.
0: Eva Shmela, thank you so much. I hope you have a very safe onward trip. And I'm really looking forward to, to following your adventures because I think there's just a... <laughs> There's a growing community of us Northern Europeans that have decided that maybe Northern Europe is not the place that we want to finish in.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes, I think so too. And I kind of start to notice that. And that's really cool <laughs> to, to, to find um, like-minded people. Do you say that? Same-minded people? Yeah. <laughs> that was Eva Smeler
0: from Amsterdam who has completed a 4,000-kilometre walk from Amsterdam to Sarajevo and is now on her way back home on her bike. But she'll be back. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast, and if you subscribe, you'll never miss a further episode. Until the next Balkan Adventures podcast, this is David in northwest Bosnia, Herzegovina, saying stay safe.
1: To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com. See you next time.
0: So that's it for this episode. Our podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you like this podcast, then please do leave us a review or send us an email. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it.
1: To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthbalkans.com.